0: Hello, welcome to Time to Say Goodbye. We have a very special guest today. Uh, Tammy is going to introduce him, but I'm very excited about it. And I don't know why I'm pretending like this is some big reveal. Tammy, who's our guest? (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Our guest is the writer, Gary Steingart. Hi, Gary. Hi,
1: everyone.
2: Do a quick intro for Gary. So you guys probably already know, but Gary is the author of the memoir Little Failure and five novels: Super Sad, True Love Story, Lake Success, Absurdistan, and The Russian Debutantes Handbook, and the brand new pandemic-themed Our Country Friends, which we'll talk about today. In October, Gary also wrote a very moving and extremely personal, <laughs> but still very funny essay in The New Yorker called A Botched Circumcision and Its Aftermath, which kindly shouts out TTSG. Thank you, Gary. Um, Gary is a New Yorker who grew up in Queens after immigrating with his family from Leningrad, which is now St. Petersburg, in 1972. If you've read his books or essays, you'll know that his worlds are populated by immigrants and second gen kids from everywhere, especially Asia and the former Soviet Union. Jay's reaction upon reading Our Country Friends was How does Gary know so much Korean? Welcome,
1: Gary. <laughs> <laughs> hey, welcome. hey welcome how do i know so much korean <laughs>
0: your first <laughs> guest is drinking a martini <laughs> while recording the show <laughs> so thank you for that
1: it's been a long day i'm in the countryside uh, seven o'clock is when we really hit the booze so okay
0: Oh, yeah. No, no, this is going to be great. I, there's no judgment yeah. on my part. Um,
1: what time yeah. is it in? Uh, you're in the Pacific. Oh, so it's uh four PM.
0: Four fifteen. Right? Yeah, but 5 I've, 5 it's been a long day for me too, honestly. Okay, right. and, and Tammy, just, you're
1: in Korea, right?
2: And I'm in Korea. Yeah, and Andy's in yeah. Philly, so we're all over. Okay. Oh, you're in Philly. Your time okay, zone. Andy's in and Martini yeah, time right, zone. Yeah. yeah. Just, what?
0: Tammy, what? yeah, yeah. what's going on with this? Like, where are you right now? I, you know, I. You know, your
3: backgrounds you change every week.
2: My background looks super weird. I came up to Seoul from where I'm staying in Chunan to see the Time to Say Goodbye people in Seoul last night. It was really fun. I'm really hungover.
0: Oh, yeah. You look like you're in like a boardroom and, know. you know, like it's a weird. K drum or something like that. And I know. Some of the secretary is about to come up to you and be like, I'm sorry he can't see you. You know,
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, you give Some like pained expression. You know, there's really some. Great music. Anyway, <laughs> Gary, thanks for being on the show. Um,
4: sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, that's... Uh, and Tammy, thanks for the introduction. I mean, I I don't... Like, well, I, 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 I'm always, like, a little bashful interviewing other writers because, like, I understand the questions that I hate to answer, you know? But, like, the thing that I wanted to talk to you about at the beginning was just this sort of, like, I wanted to read a part from the book, which is, like, sure. uh, this one passage you have which really stuck out to me, which is Senderosky, who's the name of the main character in the book. I don't know, maybe not the, but one of the characters in the books, or yeah. the per- first person you meet, checked back into the conversation, said, there have been studies done about the friendships that form at the elementary and high school level between four groups in particular. Finode, who is his friend, was saying his, uh, in his best former adjunct professor voice, Koreans, Gujaratis, West Africans, and Soviet Jews. Adolescents from these groups tend to found a, a form an unusual bond, although we don't know precisely why. I found this to be true, <laughs> too.
4: <laughs> I actually I, read this so piece true. about
0: <laughs> um, Could you just talk a bit about that? Like, you know, like, is this, was this your childhood growing up? And like, you know, is this what sort of informs the book?
1: Did you say that you wrote a piece about that?
0: Well, I did. I wrote a, I wrote a line about it in this book and or oh. in this piece that I wrote. And I wrote about how me and my Nigerian producer when I was like a television correspondent, mm-hmm. like I felt this deep. I still do. You know, I felt this deep affinity with her upbringing and like understanding what her life was like. Right. Um, much more so than like and this is where people got a little bit mad at me. It's like I feel it much more than it when I meet like Chinese people american people you know hmm. like like andy for example you know, just, I don't know. we're both asian you know but uh, i'm not uh, sure if we have the exact same upbringing but you know i certainly uh, you know I, i've had this experience too where um you know it does seem like it might be these four groups mm-hmm. i don't know could you could you just talk about that like is this is this i know you yeah. grew up in queens and like you know
1: yeah well i think uh, back then there were more it was more like three groups uh soviet jews uh, Korean-Americans and Gujarati, and I would say also Tamil Indians. Uh, I think mm-hmm. the West Africans now is, is a fact, but I think there were fewer then uh, than now. I grew up in the 70s uh, in America and in the 80s. Um, so, yeah, I, I've always been fascinated by the fact that when I look at my friend groups, and I went to Stuyvesant High School, which is predominantly Asian, I think, yeah. at this point, but also with yeah. a smattering of Russian immigrants and For some reason, I really very quickly gravitated toward those friend groups to the point where, I mean, my wife's Korean American, I guess my kid's Korean American. My mentor was Chang Rae Lee at Hunter College. Uh, Two of my very best friends were Korean American and almost the same goes for Gujarati, Tamil people, both as uh, best friends, relationships, all kinds of stuff. There was just mm-hmm. a very natural affinity for that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I wonder. My take on Soviet Jews and Koreans, for example, is that as Jews and as Koreans, being a small nation surrounded by gigantic nations, some of which have done harm over the course of you know centuries uh, to Korea, there's this feeling of being a smaller nation and surrounded by a large. Sometimes inhospitable environment, and so there's this kind of connect, and also the love of cabbage and cabbage products. Uh, <laughs> I think it's important. I mean, Koreans Koreans do it so much better than we do. <laughs> Adding spice actually helps, garlic, etc. But uh, there's definitely, and then you know, of course, the, almost in a cliche way, the, the our you know parents and their obsession with academia and stuff like that, mm-hmm. uh, which I think also just travels so easily. So that when I when I meet someone, and I, I remember like. I was like, for a while, I was like, I'm going to date native born Americans with, you know, waspy backgrounds, et cetera. But I found that really difficult. I mean, I just didn't know where to begin. I mean, the food was disgusting. I mean, how can you make a pimento cheese sandwich? That makes no sense. You know? so, uh, so I gravitated very quickly back to to the groups that I felt familiar. And this year, I'm finally making a lot of friends, weirdly enough, who are, are Chinese Americans. So uh, a group I completely missed, but now I'm, I'm <laughs> you know, I'm down with it. It's great. You know, it's on your bucket my list. Friends, it's on my bucket <laughs> list. And now it's so strange, though. But it's strange, though, that that came later in, and after several trips to China, the PRC and Hong Kong and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, yeah. But, you know, and, and, and let me just say also that when I came to America, I was brought up. Uh, I was sent to, sentenced to eight years of this Hebrew school, this uh, Jewish day school that was absolutely horrifying. Uh, and everybody was really rich. Well, at least by our standards. I mean, we were on, you know, government cheese at that point. Um, and the kids were brutal. I mean, even though we were of the same faith, supposedly, they just, the fact that I was poor and was wearing, you know, like a, a woodland animal in fur, the Russian way, you know, Tropka and Coke and all that, they would just wail on me incessantly. and. It was when I got to Stuyvesant where almost everybody came from somewhere else mm-hmm. that I felt my first feeling of like, oh, my God, these people understand me. They also eat, eat weird food, you know, <laughs> by, by the standards of our Hebrew school. And it was my first time feeling at home, weirdly enough. And, uh, and and that never changed, I guess. So And that's sort of what I've been writing about, I think, in, in all of these books, Super Saturated True Love Story, even Lake Success, which was yeah. my first book about – uh, a native-born, uh, you know, white American, but he, his wife is is uh, Tamo, so you know, even there, I can't, I can't just yeah. write a full-on Jonathan Franzen type book with, you know, <laughs> a bunch of Minnesotans <laughs> running around. I love Franzen. You know,
0: <laughs> uh, I, uh, I had that moment so, too while reading the corrections, where I was like, I, you know, I, I actually, I think that book is great, you know, and mm-hmm. I was impressed by it. And then I was like, I don't understand these emotions these people are having, but I believe they're having them. But this is not how I would... I don't know anyone who would respond this way. You know, I would just respond, like everyone I know would just respond by not saying something for two days. And then on day three, there would be this like, horrifically violent screaming
4: explosion but
0: like we wouldn't like go to our cars and put on uh you know like whatever like uh i don't know whatever like uh some form of music and then like think about it you know and have a conversation with our sister about it you know it would just be be like suppression until there could not be any more (laughs) suppression that i think that was what being the um me and the uh my producer, like that was like, you know, that was our bond where I was like we both sort of dealt with stress in the same way, which was to like very quietly not say anything and then let it build. And then it's yep. one some days we would just not be there, you know? <laughs> and then I'd be like, Oh, she's 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 off like, you know, just dealing with this in she's the same way that I deal with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or then, you know, and then like, you know, periods of having like a of like a of having like a bad attitude, but doing it in this very way where it doesn't like really compromise your position. It's like, it's, uh, that's sort of the, I don't know. I, I, that line when I read it, I like sort of lit up because it actually was the first time I've missed New York since moving out of there two years ago. But you'd actually made me think like, oh, well, it would be nice for my child to have that type of, uh, like, uh, yeah you know, upbringing around all these different immigrants. Now she might not even identify, I'm sure she won't identify as an immigrant. Right. But, um, so maybe it's a little bit more complicated, but it does seem so much richer than, you know, um, here in Berkeley where like, she's going to grow up around like, yeah, like mostly wealthy people. And, um, a few wealthy hippies you know it's just fine <laughs> it's actually quite good but it's i feel like she's missing some of it at the same time maybe she's not an immigrant you know like i guess, I guess technically she's not in the same way that
4: yeah do. yeah
1: and my kid doesn't uh, feel like an immigrant at all i don't think um and it's interesting because uh my wife wanted him to learn both korean and russian and i was like we could skip the russian part that country's not going- <laughs> well that country's got no future let's just concentrate on korean and and we, it was really interesting because, so he's really, he's learning Korean really well. Really he has a great teacher. But for a while, my wife had him go to this Russian school in Manhattan. Uh, and it was also Russian, but it also had a Mandarin component, which was really funny. And then we found out <laughs> that Ivanka's kids were going to that school. Oh so we were told. But <laughs> so I decided one day to drop into the Russian class. And it was this really young, uh, very kind of personable, very attractive teacher. She was in her 20s. And I go in there and she's talking to the kids. And the first thing I notice is she's wearing this um, pin and it's the, um, it's the, um, it's the symbol of St. George, which is also in Russia, a symbol for the conquest of Crimea. So you wear this, it's like a MAGA wow, hat, wow. you know?
4: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: wow. And yeah, it, it means Crimea is ours partly. And she began to talk about today is the uh, it's the day of the uh, the victory in the great patriotic war, World War II, which is fine, you know. Uh, but she says, today is a day we have to honor our government and our president, Vladimir Vladimirovich Putin.
4: Wow. And
1: and I'm like, and, you know, and, and it's a room full of these three-year-olds who are all, like, half of them are, I think, half Korean, half Russian or half Chinese or something, you know. <laughs> all these adorable kids whose mom or dad send them to this school. And it's like... Holy shit. It's oh my God. it's indoctrination. So I sent an email to Masha Gessen, whom I know, and I said, you know, Masha, do you think am I right here that this is crazy? She's like, pull him out immediately, you know, just
3: <laughs> and, and so I told I told my wife, let's cow. just
1: stick to Korean, you know, because it's safer.
3: I'm
4: actually,
3: yeah. I'm actually curious about that because in the book you have these references to I guess like Russia Gate, like to say like Russia's doing bad things to the United yeah. States. It's kind of this passing yeah. reference. What is that? I mean, I guess I'm curious in a sort of analogy way. Like, what is your relationship, your sentiment towards Russia? Like, is it the motherland? Is it a place that, as an immigrant, you feel like we got out of there for a reason and we we oppose the government, or is there <laughs> yeah. a sort of like tankiest? Like, we love that. Like, yes, we no, screwed no, up no, the election. Ta- no, no, no. No. Yes, we screwed up the election. <laughs> no. We do it again. That kind of that kind of sentiment. No, no tanky
1: sentiments <laughs> at all. I'm, I'm, I'm very tanky free. Um, <laughs> I'd rather you know BTS conquer the world than, than <laughs> Putin. Um, um, it's an interesting question. I mean, I feel the connection I have, the real connection I have, is to the literature. And and our country friends is written in a very Chekhovian. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's basically it's 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 a homage bordering on parody to to the Chekhovian mm-hmm. either play or short story set in the countryside where middle-aged people get together and they're like, well, where, where did we go wrong? You know. which is, Uh, A new kind of novel for me, usually I'm about young people saying, where did we go wrong? Um, (laughs) But um, it's the literature that's the real connection for me, because when it comes to the when it comes to the country, I I just see so little hope. The only hope is to leave it as soon as you can before Mm -hmm. you become like it. I mean, you know, I I obviously have a lot of criticisms toward the PRC and and, uh, I know that things aren't always rosy in Korea and, and Modi's government in India is a complete disaster. Uh, But nothing gives me less hope than Russia somehow. Uh, I remember I went to a restaurant in, in Petersburg, my hometown. This was in the late 90s when Yeltsin was still around. And there was a restaurant called 1913. And I asked the owner, why did you call it 1913? And she said... It was the only good year in Russian history, you know. <laughs> and that's kind of how I feel about it. such a it, Russian line. Isn't that such a Russian line? <laughs> it was the only
4: good year in Russian
1: history. But it's weird. I mean, it's also strange now because Russia is now trying to position itself as this sort of Eurasian country. You know, you always hear mm-hmm. that um, huh. as a kind of land bridge between Europe and China. Totally. Huh. Um, but Russia kind of – I mean, it is a Eurasian country, many of my friends yeah. – uh, in Petersburg, are from Asia, from the Yakut yeah. part, for example. So they're ethnically Asian, um, but even so, like it's like Russia borrows the worst from Europe and Asia and kind of <laughs> blends it into one horrific society <laughs> where nothing works, like the worst of everything. And so I don't know. I'd rather, yeah, and I'd rather be in Seoul than in Moscow, honestly, or or anywhere really.
3: Than so are you you're you've given up even informally teaching your son Russian and all that stuff, or do you think later on you'll <laughs> bring him back?
1: You know what we do that he loves is we watch this really funny cartoon that I grew up with called Nupagadi, which means just you wait. And it's this, uh, it's really funny. And and you you can watch it, anyone can watch it because there's very little language in it, but sometimes they speak. And it's this wolf, it's the cigar smoking wolf. uh, And he's always dressed in like, um, what do you call those bell bottoms? Because I think it's also, he's a critique of Western (laughs) influence too. (laughs) And he's always chasing after this adorable rabbit who's dressed like almost like a pioneer. You know, he's got that (laughs) whole little outfit and it's like a Tom and Jerry ripoff in a way, but it's really funny. And uh, the wolf just keeps chasing the rabbit through all different scenarios. And um, there's there's a you know, there's some people say that the wolf is supposed to represent the Russian working class. So it's uncouth. It's violent. It's always chasing it, you know, and the and the rabbit is the intelligentsia. And it's constantly being pursued. Oh, wow. So I, I don't think my kid is ready yet to uh, you know, yeah. to understand <laughs> that. But I think, you know, once he goes to college, uh, I will explain. But he loves it. And he just finds it so hilarious. He keeps saying, the wolf is so stupid. Said, <laughs> <but the wolf laughs> is it's
3: like on the 60s, yeah. uh, they had the communist uh, itchy and scratchy, like, worker yes. mouse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> no, so good. <laughs> that I love. <laughs> <You>
1: know, communist itchy <laughs> <laughs>
2: I wonder if we should explain a little bit about the premise of the book, because we're kind of talking about it, but we haven't said too much yeah. about it. Gary, do you wanna just say like, you know, we've called it a pandemic novel, but what's really going on in the book? What how do what does it represent in the course of your books?
1: Yeah. So this is um this is a book that where the pandemic comes in, it's it's what I was trying to do is a kind of novel about friendship because all of my first novels, my first novels, like I had so many of them. Um, but it started out more with, you know, the sort of the traditional immigrant narrative where you're trying to understand what the mm-hmm. hell happened to your parents and right. why, why, why they are the way they are and who you are in relation <laughs> to them and why you are the way you are and all that stuff. And then sort of progressed to relationships between immigrants, which was the, uh, the point of super sad true love story with a Korean and a Russian Jewish protagonist uh and then also the books are also examinations of particular so Absurdistan was a book in which i examined oil politics and u.s foreign policy during the sort of w era and then uh super sad was a critique of uh technology and mm-hmm. all the shit that i thought technology was doing to us and continues to do to us today yeah. um and so a lot of the things in that book weirdly enough came true like almost there's an arc in the guardian about there's i have a tiny line about how Goldsmith in London, the art college, uh, becomes HSBC Goldsmith. Uh, it gets bought by HSBC, <laughs> right, right, right. but apparently Nat West and Lloyds are actually <laughs> buying Goldsmith and, have, oh God. In, and are firing professors there left and right. So it was like, wow. so the Guardian referenced the book and I was like, because that was just a throwaway line, you know, I had a student studying art and finance together as a double major at Goldsmith. And so, you know, so I guess all the pessimistic stuff I feel about the future was sort of Contained in this book, but th- uh, our yeah. country friends uh, started with the pandemic when I realized uh, that we were in deep shit. Um, again, coming from a collapsed uh, empire, you know, uh, the Soviet Union. I know when things are really falling apart, and I really felt that our response to the pandemic was uh, absolutely uh, almost as horrifying as the pandemic itself was the yeah. way that, 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 that the government the government and the people both working in tandem uh, what they did to it. So, but I wanted to write a novel, not about parents or about uh, relationships, although there are, there's a lot of sex in this book too, but uh, <laughs> yeah. as there is in any of my books, uh, but I wanted to write about friendship because I think during the pandemic, a lot of my friends who have been scattered around the world, we actually came together uh, a lot more than we usually do. And we were constantly, either on this horrible Zoom thing or on, you know, or talking on the phone. And it was, uh, we really have been scattered from L.A. to Berlin. To, and we used to be a very tight pack of pretty much the friends that you get in the book were Korean, Gujarati, Russian. Uh, but, you know, I would take like like the character of Ed, who is this uh, uh, son of a wealthy Korean family. He's like three different billionaire koreans that i know all squashed into one <laughs>
4: and I was, notice, like,
0: say, I was like yeah. how many i was like, like you seem to have a very good understanding of the lifestyle of like the chebol kid you know <laughs> oh my god i mean so <laughs> I
1: much actually, exposure to it's been a lot of exposure to chebol i've actually written a couple of articles about uh korea because i've been so fascinated by it so <laughs> I did. I did one piece for or just you know, me eating blowfish right. or whatever. But uh, but but you know, uh, so that was a lot. I met a lot of Jable kids then. And then um, and then I did the funniest article. I don't know even know if we can find it anymore, but it's uh, it was for the Smithsonian, and they wanted me to investigate um, the Korean government. You know, like the way the Korean government had put all the money into flat screen industry for televisions, mm-hmm. and right. it obviously bore a lot of fruit because now I think Samsung, LG are probably the top makers. Uh, so they decided to put all this money into robotics. So I went around Korea looking at all these hilarious robotic programs that were so bananas. I mean, I, they were pretty great, but like craziest things. Like there was one, I can't remember the tiny town. It, it wasn't part of the Seoul metro area, which you know, contains everything. It was, uh, it was on the East Coast. I can't remember. It was a town known for its crab. God, did I eat a lot of crab? Mm. Uh, but so no, they were developing, they were developing a robot. I am not making this up. That was designed specifically for the Spanish torreador market. So you know the wow. bullfighters. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it was this bull on four legs that charged oh at you. And if you were, you can't see this on the podcast, but you were waving your red thing <laughs> and you know and practicing with the robot before you got gored by the actual bull. And I was uh, like, holy cow. I was like, "Do you think there's a market in this?" And they were like, "We are trying." They, they were so earnest, you know. Like are, like, we are, are trying very hard to 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 make a market for it.
0: Yeah, yeah you don't understand. Yeah,
4: <laughs> like, it's gonna. I thought grow. that was wonderful. Yeah, that's that's,
0: hilarious. that's great. Yeah, I was actually I was wondering about that because, like, you know, I had this like I always I struggle with this too. It's just like you're, um, whenever you write about anything in a foreign language, and then you're you have to make these decisions you know and you know obviously like there's all these different <laughs> ranges of this right Juno Diaz like right his thing was like I refuse to put anything in italics right like that yeah. was his yeah. thing and yeah. i noticed that like for this book maybe this is not right but it's like you almost didn't explain any of the korean words right and it was and like you did it in a way that was very artful sometimes right like it would be the next it would be like then you would say like chebel and then you would like say in the next line next line as yeah. part of the thing you would say like uh, you know like a Kid, like I, I, my dad is not like the head of Samsung or something like that. I think was the line. Mm-hmm. Or
1: something like that, right? So then, you then you get the is a Samsung. Right, right, say, right. right.
0: Um, it, like, did it. you? Like, was that the way that you approached it, or were you just was there any point where you're just like, you know, fuck it, I'm not going to explain any of these Russian.
4: And <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> the yeah, only people
0: who will, who will read it yeah. are Koreans and Russians, <laughs> <laughs> and they'll just be like, "Thank you, Gary, for not insulting <laughs> us." <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that is the Juno Diaz way. Um, But Bruno does it in Spanish, which is, although he does use Dominican dialect, which may not translate always, but he does it, you know, he does it in a, if you know a romance language, and this is why we're reading, you know, I mean, look, in the 19th century... uh, the cognates, but, you know, half of literature in English seem to be in French, you know, or if you read mm-hmm. uh, War and Peace, for example, almost the, big, the first chapter is entirely in French with uh, sub, uh, no, subtitles, sorry, with uh, footnotes <laughs> at the bottom of the page, subtitles, subtitles right, the period. Um, but, you know, this is a question that I'm always, always fascinated by. And I teach a course at Columbia called, uh, I think it's called Immigrants a Go-Go or something, and it's just all immigrant <laughs> fiction. And and I would say sixty percent of my students or more are immigrant students or students from abroad. You know, we have a huge population from China and India, um, and so that the question of what to have, how how much to explain or under explain or overexplain is is the biggest question that we have I think face because if you mm-hmm. over explain, then you're charged with the ultimate crime among your your colleagues among your co nationals, which is uh, inauthenticity. Right. You know, and and that's I've been.
0: Who are you writing this for? Who are you writing this (laughs) for? You're writing
1: it for, you know, and the Russians have gone to town on me about this, you know, oh, he's just (laughs) writing for, he's writing for the Americans. And this is people who are Russians in America, Russian Americans. (laughs) Oh, he's writing for the Americans. I remember when one absurdist thing, I think, came out in Russia, it was in translation. And there was a, uh, there was a review in um, a Moscow paper. And it said, You know, it was like Steingart, the CIA traitor, I think was the headline. But it was like. um, (laughs) I'm sure. The the ultimate punchline was something like, you know, it was okay. It would be okay if he was making fun of us and living in in Petersburg, his hometown. But he's doing it from his place, you know, his big house in New York, which I don't have, but, you know, his place in New York. And that's what makes him a traitor. So so, uh, but it's interesting that the students in my class are all absolutely completely intrigued by this question of how much is, you know, you're writing just for your community, in which case you should probably just be writing in Russian or Gujarat yeah. or whatever. No, uh, sure. and, and, and then good luck to you, uh, yeah. <laughs> or, or how much you are writing in, um, to, to, you know, hit the, uh, the Chardonnay swilling book club audience in the Midwest.
0: <laughs> what do they say? Like, what do they? I mean, do they have a consensus on it, or like, do they have a lean? Do they lean towards something? They
1: lean against you uh, know authenticity in all its forms. Yeah. Uh, they are very much against. It. And and some writers who are, who I think are pretty good writers and, and and you know writers I know like Jhumpa Lahiri, for example. Sometimes the sometimes it's the sub uh, it's the students from the subcontinent who will bring up you know. I think she's writing for the Pulitzer Committee or something like that, which I'm like, well, yeah, but it's still beautiful prose yeah. I mean, you know but 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 the idea yeah. that this is explicitly meant for some old older white lady in you know in, in Des Moines or something um, you know. but that's a great question that I think every single that I think you know Philip Roth was asking when he was still. Yeah running like a giant dinosaur across the landscape. Uh, every, every single writer I can think, of, African-American writers also, you know,
4: right.
1: uh, any marginalized group is going to be asking these questions. Like, who mm-hmm. am I writing this for? And, and, and but you know what, I'll tell you something else, and then I'll stop talking about this. But uh, I've had students, uh, immigrant students who, especially as as Trump was elected, said, I can't write about my community because my whole thing is if you're going to write about them, they can't be this whole, you know, they came, they saw, they conquered narrative. You know, you have to write honestly about what it means to be the child of these people or to be a member of a community, you know. And that has to be you can't if you if you glamorize them, then you're, you're destroying that you're taking away their humanity. because mm-hmm. There are no people like that. Uh, but I've had students say brilliant students who said, you know, I can't write about, you know, Taiwanese people right now, given that, you know, everything that. Trump is saying about Asia and Africa, etc. I can't. I can't. You know, I'd rather do a. Really. I'd rather do like a, a they, little sat. You
0: know. yeah? They feel yeah. as if like they would be, like, downgrading the profile of their people in a time of like intense hatred or something like that.
1: Right. There's so much hatred coming from the outside that I mean I think yeah. did you Jay did you you go to the Columbia MFA? Am i I did. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, did. You yeah, did. yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Right. I read that in one of your when you were wonderful 19... essays. About,
0: uh... No, 2000 and. Three, I think you were there ah. for one semester. Um, I was, or maybe starting you're in, guest teaching or something like. that. I was
1: that. guest teaching. I started teaching full time. I think in 2004. So, you, oh you were no, I just missed 2004, too. No, I was there. Oh, 2004 okay, two, then, two. then yeah, yeah, then you. I was going to
0: say, my friend, my my closest friend from the MFA is this guy Ramesh. You know, which is you know, in keeping with your book, and yeah. Ramesh. <laughs> Ramesh, is, Ramesh would complain all the time about Junipola Lahiri. You know. <laughs> It's amazing. He was like, he was like, what? She's like, he would be like, what is this Harvard nonsense? You know, and now he's he oh, in Cambridge, of course. You know, he <laughs> <is>. <laughs> <laughs> he's a this wonderful guy. I man. love
4: him. But, like I mean,
2: the Amy Tan was... of South Asians. Well, that's <laughs> but worse, oh I think,
0: because I think Asians can feel like Amy Tan sold a billion copies. And she was like the first and she's a pioneer, you know, but this is like sort of trapped in a more literary space and it drives it's people space. fucking crazy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it does. And, and, the, and the sort of joke to all that is that the only time I now see Jump is when I'm in Italy because she's just I was going to say, oh, yeah. Now and she's I think she, she may be coming back. Now she's running in Italian, speaking beautiful sort of, you know, northern Italian, Super just amazing yeah. stuff. Okay. and uh, you know so it's but that's fascinating to me too I, I lived in italy for a bit myself but i never mastered the language i mean i suck at it um <laughs> i mastered the accent really well. I <laughs> did a lot of stuff in my hands, <laughs> but i you know i suck at the language and but she was fascinating because she you know gave up on writing english where she has all this uh, facility obviously and, and started writing in italian and i wondered if that's almost sort of now i'm psychoanalyzing it like right. almost uh an attempt to immigrate again,
4: yeah. you know, and to, and, yeah. and to
1: try to capture the experience of your parents who come oh, here. Yeah. They're not liked by the population totally. at large. And, and Italy has its most loveliest amount of racism. I think anywhere in the world, it's just thumping with, hatred uh so you know i, I wonder if that was uh, part of the idea was to to relive yeah. the her parents experience i wondered about that and she yeah. was
2: translating wasn't she retranslating herself like she was writing in italian and then translating her italian into english also so it was this kind of circular exercise in the way that you're talking about
1: that's exactly so I, you know, you know, and the times hated yeah. or the other major publications would hate would really rag on that stuff and yeah. i didn't read it so i can't comment so i haven't I know yeah that, i haven't uh, read her
0: italian yeah i thought about yeah. that too like what would it, you know like gish jen you know like oh yeah I not gishan like well, what it was hajin ha like oh, ha and you read, yeah. I I read him when, when i was mm-hmm. at columbia we read it and then mm-hmm. i don't remember who it was but it, maybe it was like uh know, it was one of the professors who had been there a very long time and mm-hmm. they were talking about like oh well, this is interesting because this person you know he's like writing almost in an accent right which it does kind of seem like that when you read his his book I've thought about that. Like what it would be like if I like yeah. learned a different language and then wrote and then like, it would like the voice was like, so, you know, limited in a way, would it be interesting, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to like English where I can like just copy six different styles and, you know, right. come up with some synthesis of it. Very
1: interesting point. Very interesting point. Yeah. I mean, I think in that book, I grew up speaking Russian because he had an, uh, I'm sorry, speaking English because he had an English right. governess and a French governess and, a, mm-hmm. you know, Every kind of is imaginable, but even so, I find I find that his um, the work that he did in English, Pale Fire, Panin, which I think is his best book. Oh yeah,
4: uh, I love that. Lolita
1: is that my, probably my favorite book in the world. Um, uh, Lolita, which uh, is not my favorite book, but you know, it's up there with with his five or six best books. All of it was written in English. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think what he did, and this is something that I sometimes use, and I wonder if it's almost a gimmick, and maybe with our country friends it is, especially gimmick since there's this Jacobian thing. Like I let I sometimes when I Think of a sentence i think of the russian equivalent to it and that russian equivalent runs like a second soundtrack mm-hmm. and then the sentence kind of morphs into something as slightly different does a little bit more of an you know almost where you know like in, in germany you end with the verb or whatever i mean there's not not to that extreme but you know um there's a there's definitely a negotiation between the two languages in my mind because I grew up speaking almost entirely Russian with my parents still uh, only speak Russian to them yeah, right. uh, mm-hmm. and that and it feels like that that and that, that is the authentic language and that English even though that's what I write in is the sort of layered on language not to say that if I wrote exclusively in Russian it would be great work I don't think it would be at this point uh, but you know it definitely plays a role.
2: Yeah. Well, and I think in this book, too, like in the moments where it's just Sendorovsky and Masha talking to each other, yeah. even though it's all in English or, you know, yeah. but there's like hints of their kind of speaking mm-hmm. Russian yeah. and their kind of secret language within the larger language of the encampment, yeah. you
1: know? Yeah. 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 So no, I, agree, I think I agree. It's,
2: yeah. there's a nice tenderness to that.
3: Are you, are you writing that in Russian in your head and then translating it back? Absolutely. In yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And everything, obviously, all the conversations in my first couple of books. Uh, which focused, well, Absurdistan was set entirely in that part of the world know right. uh, Azerbaijan and Georgia and all those places, so I would, um, that was entirely written, written pretty much in that language and then uh, all the dialogue we translated back. Oh, but uh, you wanted, I'm sorry, you asked me before about uh, what the book is about. Uh, so I- <laughs>
4: for a couple of martinis and
1: yeah, because you're telling, you're telling your audience about Masha and Sasha, and I'm like, Ray, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, they don't know what that is. Um, so, right, so it's this guy, Sasha, who, like me, lives in a house half the time in upstate New York, and he has these five guest cottages. In reality, I only have one, but, you know, it's nice to dream, uh, and he, is, <laughs> so he's the kind of failing Russian novelist, and Masha is his wife, and, um, who's also Russian, uh, uh, who is a psychiatrist. Uh, and, and she deals with primarily with elderly Russian immigrants who have fallen down the conspiracy kind of dark web, QAnon type of thing, which almost all of my relatives have done. Uh, mm-hmm. And then uh, they have an adopted girl from um, from China, from Northern China called Nat, Natasha, uh, who is sort of gender fluid and then he invites five of his or a couple of his best friends from sort of the Stuyvesant high school type of place, which is so there's Vinod, who's Gujarati, and he's kind of also a failing writer, but there's a lot of stuff between him and Sasha. And there's Karen, who Vinod has always been in love with, Karen Cho, who's Korean-American, who has developed, who's become gazillionaire through this uh, app that she's developed uh, called True Emotions, which makes people fall in love with them. And then we have the native born Americans coming in and we have a, a, a woman named Dee Cameron, haha, <laughs> like did the, the Cameron get it, uh, uh, And she is um, I just kind of a, you, 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 oh, sorry? Just got it. No, I didn't get You it. just got it, oh, okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's cool, that's cool. <laughs> little, little Boccaccio humor there. Um, uh, so Dee Cameron uh, is an essayist, who is supposedly of the left, but also flirts with the far right all the time. Um, you know, when she feels like her sales are falling off. Uh, so many people <laughs> I know like that. Um, and then there's this, the actor who's the sexiest actor in the world. And he and Sasha are developing a screenplay based on one of his books, which is going completely off the rails. And so Sasha needs the actor to, um, to get the screenplay going to make money. Cause he completely out, out of money for his, this little bungalow colony that he's created for his friends. And, oh, and then, then there's Ed Kim, also and then, who's a friend uh, yeah. of Karen, and I think he's distantly related to Karen, uh, and is a friend of all of this crew. Um, and he's this—he's the son of Chebol, so he falls in love with D. And the actor falls in love with D. I think everyone just falls in love with D, and everyone falls in love with the actor. I mean, so it's it's yeah. also played as a as a kind of a midsummer night dream kind of sex farce mm-hmm. too. It's got a lot of things happening here, <laughs> a lot of good food too. I have to say,
0: that's a good description. Yeah, it's, uh, and um, yeah. Is there anything else? No, mm-hmm. I think that's a good introduction 30 minutes into the podcast. Sorry. <laughs> <Yeah. Yeah. laughs> no, 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 no. That is not your fault. We should it's have explained it It's the perfect ourselves. arc for our podcast, actually. <laughs> um, also, I don't think, I don't think that true. the conversations we had were necessarily dependent on yeah. knowing. No. no right, no, no, no. and yeah. we won't give away anything in the book because I think everyone should read yeah. it. I, I love the book. Uh, oh, I thank should, you so much. I want to say. Yeah, I mean, it's I, very funny. I felt, yeah, great. first of all, I, la- I, I, I never do this, but I my kid my kid and my wife are out of town and so I, you know I've been total degenerate for the last three days but you know, and, uh, two nights ago I just read I read the whole thing in one sitting you know it's not hmm. really a short book and then it was like two in the morning and then wow. I felt free like this immense freedom. I'm like, that doesn't matter Wow you know? freedom I'm from my, freedom sit, from my words. I'm watch an hour of poker instructional videos and I'm going to go to sleep at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> like, I don't care. That's,
1: that's how this bu- book was meant to be read. you know.
0: Okay. <laughs> no, but it was, it was very engrossing, you know, and it was, uh, um, you know, the, obviously like the humor, it's something you're known for, but yeah, it was, uh, the, inve- the sort of interrogation of what it is, what it means to be like an immigrant who is, in their 40s and 50s, I found to be, like, totally, you know, fascinating. It's certainly something that's not written about quite a bit now. No. doesn't, like, I. this is the first real account I think I've read of it, right? Like, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. it's always a kid looking at their parents, I know. right? I know. It's always a kid looking at their parents, and this is, leads to some of the stuff that I think, like, you know, like I at least personally don't really particularly like about immigrant fiction, which is just like, you either have like a valorization of the parents, right? Yeah. Or you have like a, <laughs> uh, or you have a condemnation of the parents that is, yes. quietly also a valorization of the parents, right? Like, and, right, right. um, it's like, how much right. did we struggle? Right. And yeah, then there's like yeah. this oh, sort of like,
4: God, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. like, there's sort of like overwrought, like, you know, like, uh, I don't know. I I, I thought about this. I think about this all the time. It's just like, well, how do you actually tell these stories where it's like, well, we did struggle. It wasn't great, you know, like yeah. being like, but then it's just like, well, it's, it's become so central in the storytelling and every detail becomes mine for a type of thing. But the story of, you know, the thing I've never read is like, well, what is it like to ha- be, you know, Masha and Sasha or to be Ed, mm-hmm. right. And to have, or with Masha and Sh- Sasha's case, to have this kid who's, obsessed with BTS, right? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. trying to figure out like, well, how much of how do we with this uh sort of transracially adopted, I guess is a term, right? Like adopted yeah. child, like how do we what culture do we impart on them? And then there's this sort of like strange compromise and that happens throughout the book where she actually starts to learn Korean from the Karen yep. character, right? Like so I thought that all would be fascinating I mean, it's the type of thing I I don't know, I'm like your perfect audience because I You are. 40, <laughs> yeah, I'm much. like forty one. I think we hate the same type of immigrant stories that I'm I I like, think we really do, yeah. <laughs> I was like, who is You know, who is like, there's never been a book about me that, you know, Mm. except the one, you know, the things that I try and write about myself, which, you know, obviously I don't, you know, I don't want to read. (laughs) (laughs) um, It was this, it's this very strange uh, place. I just, you know, I don't know, like, uh, was that, I don't know, was that like, is that, like you said you wanted to write about older people, like, was that what you set out to do?
1: Absolutely. I felt that, first of all, I felt that, I mean, look, it's been what, almost 30 years of my of these friendships with, you know, casts of hundreds of people that we've always known each other, you know, um, who really fit all, you know, who if you grab them all together would form some of these characters. And I I do feel like there hasn't, you know, there's, sometimes there's a book or a um, television show where a bunch of native born Americans, and then there's like one Asian friend, you know, yeah. uh, right. But um <laughs> You know, I and this is probably why I listen to your show. Well, one of the many reasons I listen to your show is like there's nothing for for these slightly aging uh, forty, you know, and fifty year old uh, immigrants, uh, and, and you know, um, and, and it's different because you know Russians also don't Russian men don't live that long. So I'm already, you know, I'm, I'm ninety in Russian years. Um, uh, but you know, there's there's nothing that talks about our experience, and this experience is very real. Um, you know, if you look at, at a lot of New York metros, it often New York metro American metros. God, the New Yorkness of my of my point of view, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of, of people who are just it's just different immigrant groups um, and, and and people who form the majority in fiction or have formed the majority in fiction are kind of a minority. Like we have a couple of friends who are. Actually, they're all. I, I, I have like two wasp friends, but they're separate from my other group of friends. But for the most part, <laughs> you know, you got to be at least Jewish Your to get my so token wasp friends. My yeah, token <laughs> wasps. they teach me about how to apply mayonnaise. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, right, right. Wonderful people, jelly. But, boats. Yeah, peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> boats. <laughs> yeah. But I Do thought you that have... this book. You know,
2: Oh, sorry. I, I was just I think another thing that comes across in this book and some of your other work is uh the, the kind of question of as this like with the aging of this population is also maybe, I don't know, like a, a confrontation of their class mobility and yeah. like the yeah. the class betrayal or the class crossing, which I think is has been true autobiographically yeah. 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 in your life, and something I can kind of relate to too and how that changes the dynamic like with your parents or your background. And yeah. I'm wondering if like you want to say a little bit about the kind of class stuff in this book, because um mm-hmm. we also have a situation where like Sasha and Masha are definitely living beyond their means. And, you know, Sasha is trying to figure out like, you know, how he yeah. can he be this rich person, you know, that he really yeah. isn't.
1: Yeah, that's true. No, I think class is uh, absolutely uh, integral to this. And, and you see this playing out, for example, with my alma mater Stuyvesant high school, right. Where, and my kid goes to a, a kind of G and <laughs> school too, where, uh-huh. Thankfully, it's not that one. That school is pretty diverse. Uh, one of the few schools that really does not completely, but begins to mirror New York's populations. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, the, the question of immigrants. I mean, Stuyvesant at this point is even less. You know, he's even more immigrants, chiefly Asian immigrants, but you know, with some smattering of Eastern European immigrants and uh, and other immigrants too. And these, you know, we've all. I remember in that school, we were. I mean, we were just primed by our communities, by our parents. I don't know who, but we were just. I mean, the competitiveness of that was so ugly. We were just out to kill each other. I remember people sabotaging each other's Westinghouse experiments so that they wouldn't win the oh prize. I mean, it, 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 was a, it was a level of insanity. And I, you know, I still remember my average, I was a terrible student. Well, by status and standards, 86.894. I still remember my goddamn right. average yeah. to this day oh because that school, I mean, you could have had a tattooed on your forehead, yeah. you know, because our parents were, you know, they'd kill us if we didn't do well. And I didn't do well, you know, uh, by, by, by those metrics, I mean, um, and so, I, I mean, to me, this, this, the, the class aspect, the fact that we were sort of raised to succeed at all costs in this country. And, you know, and for many of us, I think especially, you know, uh, Russian immigrants I think even more right wing than any other group, maybe, I don't know, Cubans, usually people from former <laughs> socialist countries, yeah. but yeah. Vietnamese for sure, Vietnamese for sure. Um, but, you know, we were, you know, it's almost like the fact that this country had a history of of horrible things done to from Native Americans to African-Americans to all these other groups. It it didn't even exist for us. It wasn't part of the it didn't compute because, you know, we were poor and now we're going to be rich. And by any means necessary, Mm -hmm. you had to cross that divide. Uh, And then now, you know, I mean, obviously there's there's a reckoning for for other groups as well, but for non-immigrant groups. But. For us, it's very strange because uh, speaking as a Russian, which, of course, is different from Asian groups because we're not, you know, we can fall into the, the, you know, we're technically white. Although I know all these Russian writers who are trying to prove that we're not white. which is a little bit of a stretch. (laughs) I know we're Eurasian, but, you know, I'm not sure that's going to fly. But, um, you know, there's a there's this there's this. I think there's a reckoning now that even my generation of Russians, especially, is loath to do many of them, but some are beginning that kind of dialogue. But it is based on class, on and even now, you know, there's you know, like I remember even within the Russian community, like my parents would talk about Brighton Beach, like it was this lower class place, mm-hmm. in
4: right?
1: Yeah. Where the Odessa people lived and the Moscow and Petersburg people were in a part yeah. of Queens that you know wasn't much better. Actually, I, I preferred Brighton Beach because it was so cool and you know just bustling with. <laughs> caviar and stuff so uh but yeah I'm I'm, I'm I'm this is a fertile time i think to be examining all of these issues for all kinds of different immigrant groups
0: Yeah, you do you like sort of in the book you sort of write about it in this way that i thought was really great where it's about like things that you find in these sort of fancy places upstate you know like these kind of like little groceries and stuff yeah i don't know I, I, when i was in my 20s and early 30s i spent a lot of time I think close to maybe where you are but like you know in mm-hmm. woodstock oh so yeah my yeah. best friend growing right, up pretty- um had a house there and it was like it, every time i went to her house it was like like this is my one of my closest friends in the world so it's not saying anything bad about her but you know she lived in this like uh, artist colony that had all these oh, yeah. like, beautiful house. i'm sure you know what i'm talking about yeah like, uh,
4: absolutely
0: and um the houses are like beautiful and she had all these like antiques in her house that I had no idea about. And then we would go to like these organic like kind of stores and I would walk around and I'd be like, What the fuck is any of this shit? You know? <laughs> oh oh like, I just... never felt i le- I've never felt like more like a like not white than walking <laughs> yeah. around these places <laughs> because I'd be like, I don't know what any of this stuff is, you know? Oh, and she'd be like, I Well, know. I'm going to the refill place, you know, because I've got these shampoo bottles that I gotta refill. <laughs> right. And it's like why would anybody do that? You know? <laughs> and so like I've never felt more alienated than in those spaces where I'm just like, okay, is this the point? You know, am I supposed to be in these places so and understand funny. what these things are? Yeah. So in the book they do that, right?
1: They do that. And and and, and just to your point, like so. Um, I went to Oberlin where actually my roommate had a house in Woodstock funny enough. Right. right? Uh, and um, so when I got there and this is straight out of Stuyvesant where we we're all strivers, et cetera. And by the way, going to Oberlin was considered like you've really failed in life. Like if you weren't going to <laughs> at least one of the Cornell schools, you were just an idiot. And, and, um, and I remember <laughs> there were all these parties, you know, Oberlin's kind of a drug up, place. uh, And I, nobody was more drugged up than me, but there was a, there was this guy who had, and and the previous summer I'd worked as a janitor and my, my father worked in this nuclear laboratory and, you know, I was kind of embarrassed about that, but it it paid really well. It actually was a union job. Um, And so I had a, you know, you had to wear a, a janitor's outfit and mine said Gary on it in the cursive script. And there was this guy who went to all the parties and he kept wearing a janitor's outfit. And it said, you know, Bob on it or something. And I was like, God, poor Bob. I mean, I wish he had more, I wish he had more clothes. <laughs> and then some, and somebody said, Bob, no, his name's John. Like, <laughs> he was wearing this, obviously a right. hipster kind of, oh my you God. know, yeah. like, you know, and, the French uh, and that
2: coat was, that's back now.
1: <laughs> that's it. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Right. So to me, it was like, you know, like going into one of those fancy stores, I, like I had to relearn yeah. everything because everyone was like, Oh, Gary, you're such a, you know, i wanted to have decent grades and be like what the hell is wrong with you you know you're not going to go to grad school we're going to raise <laughs> turtles turtles on the oregon coast or whatever when this is done, you
4: know? <laughs> but
0: do you do you feel like uh the, you know what i was talking about by a friend about this today and because i had this thought and i don't know why i had it but i had this like very terrible thought maybe it's like the isolation but i was like maybe i'll move to like fremont or one of these silicon valley suburbs it's oh, like all asians you know because i was like i had this thought i was like like i i had this realization that the only reason why i'm able to do anything is because like i can work an endless amount of time without feeling any stress which is mm-hmm. it- completely from, you know, this hyper-competitive type of upbringing that you're describing, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, maybe it would be good for my kid to go through this and have, like, you know, <laughs> and be, like, just, like, go through every day just filled with hatred, you know, and oh just be like, be, like oh. I'm going to destroy you, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> like um, I, I, I have this so friend from who's, you know, like, in, in North Carolina where I grew up, there's, yeah. like, it, it, was, it sort of cohered and it was basically just me and, like, five Jewish kids, you know? So there's this kid, Alon. You know who was sort of my rival on the debate team and oh, he did sure. a different activity but he was really good you know and there was this period of time where there was chance he might be like he went to yale law school and then like you know there was this I, he clerked for two fucking supreme court justices <laughs> a lot if you're this, like, you right, know, right wing no no left on the left like, oh, left. Okay. Right. And like okay. somebody else so it was like okay. and maybe okay. robert so maybe in the middle but like mm. there was talk mm. that maybe he was gonna be chosen as a federal judge and be on the fast track to the Supreme court. Wow. And it just made me so fucking mad. You know? <laughs> like, like, Absolutely not. You know, like oh, oh. but you know, I think yeah. about it. It's, it seems like your time at Stuyvesant was like that. Like, do you actually like, would you want your kid to go through any of that? Do you think your kid could go through that?
1: Well, my kid is right now. It's so funny that we're even talking about this because he's eight years old. Who
0: knows
4: what he was. <laughs> I know. <laughs> poor
0: guy.
1: It, I know. We're, yeah, the poor guy. Right. Um, but he does love, love, love math. I mean, he is obsessed with math and I hated math. It's like, I have no idea. I have no idea how the hell I got into that school. I think because you had to take a test. And, and I think my, my conjecture is that there's a math and a verbal part. And if you ace either part you get in, I think that's what happened is that I aced the verbal because there's no other way I could have gotten in. Uh because I was like basically failing out of there. The math was so hard. You know, i got to a, a parochial hebrew school where we learned that you know god created the earth six thousand <laughs> years ago or however long and you know um and then all of a sudden i was surrounded by kids who grew up with real math um but yeah if he likes it that's fine but i don't want to push him into a school then again you know i, I have friends who send their kids to uh, private schools in new york and oh my god that is there is so much douchebaggery going on in those right. schools i
4: mean right right
1: because they have more of a kind of uh you know um a woke curriculum but at the same time everyone's a billionaire you know or their children right. are billionaires. my kid would be absolutely poor by those standards we don't have a helicopter you know
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well that's
0: the that's like the i don't know that's like the sort of dilemma right it's like yeah uh, i have these friends who like want to send their kids to the most fancy private schools and their kids you know these kids these are all immigrants you know and their wives oh, right, right, are right. immigrants in there yeah. they're they're uh you know, one of my friends, like, he's like, well, my wife says that, like, uh, she knows how the world works now, because, you know, she's been through it, you know, she went to, I think, Harvard and Yale Law School or something mm-hmm. like that. And she understands that these kids have such a leg up on what she had, yeah. you know, yeah. and so she wants to give it to them, you know, and then yeah. so that's part of it. And there's like, yeah, but mm-hmm. you know, is this really how I want to participate in the world? And then the other part of it is, well, how would I not give that to the kid? If that's what the best part, yeah. and also, that's what my parents probably came here so that I would be able to do and then the other part is just like fuck you you compete with you know you go there and there's going to be Shen and there's going to be like Ji wow. Young and you have to take them out yeah. <laughs> <And that's> like, <laughs> I don't know this is like they go through my head all the time it's probably like not good for you know I, I feel sorry for my daughter in five years but hopefully I've outgrown it by that time but I don't know it seems like I, like, I felt like that Tetra was somewhat somewhere in the center of this book you know like this sort of like yeah. who yeah. are we right now yeah. you know like we're yeah. rich now really. you know we are like really. or some of the characters are very rich right yeah um or one of the characters in particular is very okay. rich and she seems to be having like a total uh you know existential crisis at this point yeah. like, who am i like yeah. i can't really even yeah. speak korean to teach this kid right. korean like how am right. i going to learn how to teach this kid korean and i don't know i, I was just yeah. saying yeah. Like, plus she's she's burdened with well. the
1: name of Thank you, but she's burdened with the name of Karen too. Right,
0: right, right. Not great in
1: 2020. Uh, Yeah, I mean, you know, the the book, the novel I published before this called "Make Success," uh, I, which is set in the hedge fund world, and I spent four years, you know, hanging out with hedge funders, many, many of whom were immigrants. Huge contingent from Russia and the former republics. uh, Obviously, all the other, you know, Chinese, Korean, Indian, the whole, the whole schmear, Um, and unbelievable. And and then I went, you know, and and I think. I mean, I think there's really two industries that these kids are now, the really fierce kids are prepared for, is it's tech and finance. You know, that's pretty yeah. much it in America. Everything else is, you right. know, uh, kind of a sideshow at this point, um, yeah. whether it's even entertainment, you know, even the people in LA, you know, have to, you know, look up to the people in, in the Bay Area. Right. So, you know, it's, um, I went to my uh, a Stuyvesant reunion recently. Absolutely fascinating, because almost everyone had done really well, but. I think almost everyone was still trying to please their parents, who could never be pleased, you know, because it didn't matter. You know, you have one billion. Well, you know, uh, Karen Chi has two. So, you know, how how did you fuck up like that, right? You know,
4: I Um, also have
3: my my roommates in college were Stuyvesant grads. One was Russian, one was Chinese. So it like fits. totally into the into the type. Oh Um, my, where where did you go to school? uh, Columbia. I was actually there when you were when you were there. Anyway, Uh, okay. uh, okay. uh, I, I always got the sense that, you know, the very successful law doctor, all that stuff. I always got the sense that they, they couldn't get over the fact that they went to Stuyvesant. Like, it was still like the crowning achievement of their life, you know? And I and I almost <laughs> wonder if that's also kind of like what you're talking about. It's like when you have, when like the high point of your life is when you're 17, you know? It kind of Yeah, it also, actually... it's like the thing
0: that their parents probably approve the most. Yeah, of the most. Life, exactly. right? Well, because it's, it's like, it's,
1: it's free. The most competitive <laughs> yeah. thing. Huh? And it's also
0: the only school, it's like the top of the top, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. for that, for that yeah.
1: period. Yeah. They can't, people can't shut up about that, yeah. you know. I've had I've had friends who have done nothing with their lives, just nothing, you know, and they still like, they'll go to a party like, oh, Stuyvesant, hey, we're
4: brothers. <laughs> you know,
1: um, but I think, yeah, I think it's because that was, I mean, that was the most competitive place you could go to, you know, and and if you got, if you got it, and actually it was very hard to get into a good school after that because everyone had, you know, there were quotas imposed probably, I don't know for what reasons, but, you know, we can think of several reasons probably why that would, that would happen. And they were, but, you know, even to this day, there's, and so many of the uh, finance bros I met were STI grads and completely without a moral compass, completely without a moral compass. Yeah. You know, and I think, and that school just did not have, I mean, I make fun of, you know, so Nat goes to the quote unquote Kindness Academy. That's where her parents send her, you know, uh, sort of a middle red schoolhouse type of place. And, and I know that that can go too far in the other direction, but, you know, where one is not prepared for what the real world, if one wants to enter that world is like. But at the same time, you know, um, these schools can be so lacking in any kind of warmth it's almost like our parents, but like institutionalized in a place. The institution mm-hmm. reflects my parents so well that, you know, it's <laughs> like, oh, my God, just just succeed or die, you know.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've, I have another question yeah. about so, like, I think most of the conversation so far is about what your book captures, which is sort of like our generation or like, you know, between like the late 70s, early 80s into the 90s yeah. and how what they're like now. But your book also has a sort of like. I don't know if they're gestures or speculations towards like the next generation, like with Nat, for instance. And you talk about BTS. The other, like, I don't listen to BTS, but the show I do watch is Terrace House, which is also in the oh, yeah, level. yeah. Terrace House the is best. very central. <laughs> and, oh,
0: the
1: best. Well, are you like?
3: Are you, I assume you are a real Terrace House fan. Like you, you didn't just. Oh, make, oh, you
1: know? What's her name? Killed herself, and then, know. Uh, you know when they canceled the show, I was about yeah. to kill myself. I I, I just. <laughs> That show it was fucking brilliant. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there should be a million hours of them, and you know, uh, and, and just when that group gets together to make fun of all the characters, yeah, yeah, is yeah. so brilliant. The samurai. Who's your favorite? Who's your
0: favorite character in the show?
1: I think I like the what's his name, the, the lonely samurai, or he had a he had a funny tag. Taichi,
0: uh, I think is Chi but
1: what's yeah. his name? Yeah, but the. Um, he was the something samurai, the sad yeah, samurai. Yeah. I can't. I, I got to look it up. But uh, the way he was pursuing all the women on that show was, and uh, that season <laughs> was,
4: yeah, was yeah.
1: just too much. It yeah. was just, and, and you know, and the way he would ruminate about it, he was like the saddest person. And then he finally got one of those, got one of the his co stars, and I don't know. I, I it was the the most fun I ever had yeah. watching anything.
0: <laughs> it too. made the, the
1: pandemic for me.
0: The pa- <laughs> the panels are like I just never i had never that uh, the Yamachan the yeah you know, the, it's just like the the ones I watched the new beginning season first, you know uh, that's and when the they start third, making third it's one, the one right? in the mountains with like Sue oh, right, like and yeah, yeah. Su and uh and Sean and um yeah. and when they were making fun of that kid for sniffing onions and <laughs> uh, like what who he was trying to be a chef and he's like why would you sniff it? eat, it's yeah. like the funniest thing I I like that I was like, this is my favorite television show ever. Now I was like, what? Awesome. it's like, it's like, why? And then in every intro for the show, they show sniffing it's like the
3: cruelest thing in the world. Oh, that, oh it's man, a I love that show. show. It's yeah. yeah. Show. yeah. Uh, okay. So yeah,
0: that'll, uh, yes, there's a, Terrace house is very yeah. widely discussed in the, in yeah. The, it feels like
3: the there's something in the book about like the next wave of, I don't know, like from the eight year olds onwards, I guess, are watching, listen to BTS and watching yeah. Japanese TV shows. And,
1: well, this is one other reason why I think my kids should learn Korean instead of Russia. Russia's produced so little, not just in pop culture, but lately in anything. Yeah. A- anyone who does anything is like, like Masha Gessen, who gets the hell out of there. You know, there's almost no, you know, culture that's based there now that that's that's of any interest, as opposed to you know, I watched Squid Game with great fascination. <laughs> and wasn't up to Terrace House levels for me, but really, you know. But also, you know, I mean, I remember I remember listening to your show and like uh, you're talking about. What's the name of that character, the the Indian character in the show? Um Ali. Ali, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pa- or Pakistani or yeah, like, Pakistani. Pakistani. Yeah. Pakistani. Right. Sorry, the Pakistani character. He's and, Indian you know, in real life, about,
4: though.
1: Yeah. He's in the life. Maybe that's why I'm thinking of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so you were talking about how, you know, he was a stereotype. And I, I you know, but meant to be, you know, he doesn't have he doesn't have any depth, he just sort of is the the nice guy or whatever, you know. Uh, but I was thinking, like, in Russia, if Russia did that show, like, he'd be having, like, a, a, a pot of, you know, <laughs> on his head or something. It would be so much worse. That, that, you know, but I, and I have to say, like, you know, countries like Korea and, and Taiwan and other, yeah. I mean, they've entered the, the global world in
4: a much yeah, bigger yeah. way than Russia has. Yeah. It was really interesting because you, you have those
3: lines about how Nat wants to learn Korean because it's cool and there's pop culture. Yeah. Karen, who's almost 50, is very shocked that the rest of the yeah. world wants to learn Korean. She was unthinkable to, to, in her childhood, right?
1: To her childhood, yeah. And that does so make me think, like, like yeah, what if...
3: Man. That is kind of like, you know, if you're a parent from a part of the world that hasn't produced good pop culture, you're kind of shit out of luck, you know?
1: You're shit out of luck. You're shit <laughs> out of luck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's
0: a, nothing... No, I, wish, I wish my parents had been like, you should not... You should go to Korean school and take, you know, retaining your language more seriously because... When you're 41 you know it's going to give you a lot of cultural capital because korea <laughs> is going to be the most i'd be like what i've heard korean rap you know it's <laughs> fucking yeah. terrible like, how is this going to turn into anything um yeah, All rap
1: is unbearable outside of the US. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, pretty true. Yeah. I remember. Russian in, rap. In, oh my god.
0: In college, in college people were like, MC Solar. It's like a French rapper. And like, yeah, that like, guy. This is terrible.
1: Every party that my uh post-Oberlin crew would listen to would always be MC Solar. <laughs> <laughs>
4: and
0: be
1: like, Can we put on some Biggie? And they'd be like, no, 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 no Biggie. No, no. Like-
0: <laughs> MC Solar. All right, um, all right. Well, I have, you know, um, I got to go to this basketball game soon, but I did have like one more question for for or two more questions. Like, you know, I remember, so, you know, like, you've done this now so much that it, I can't imagine that bothers you, but like, do you... Like when I was when I was in MFA program two thousand three, like we never talked about like who has the right to to tell what stories or what characters, right? Like it wasn't part of the conversation. Maybe part of that was Columbia specifically, right? Because it was like everyone wanted to write like Bartlemy or something like that, and so like it wasn't like you know like what does this mean? It was more like are your sentences interesting? Right. Um, And uh, I think that was a great education, by the way, much more than that. But I remember like five years later, I mean, I don't know if the MFA was a great education, but it was better than like me having to sit there and be stared at and being like, you know, like, what are you saying about your culture? And me just being like, fucking kill me, you know, like I'm 23 years old, I don't I haven't processed any of this, you know, I just want to be famous, you know, and not have to work. I just want to be famous <laughs> the, I met this, uh, you know, I started I, I was I Uh, I think it was around 2010 or something like that. Just dating this girl who was, uh, you know, had gone to Iowa and was doing like a Stegner fellowship. She's very nice. But like I talked, I asked her what they talked about in the Stegner and she was like, well, we talk a lot about the politics of the story and like, you know, who gets to write what? And I was like, I was like, it was so foreign to me. You know, I was like, I've never heard that before. So in this, you know, you've written more, more than one book with Korean characters, right? Like with, uh, with sort of, and with like what i would say it's like a very confident assessment of what these characters think how they think right mm-hmm. and do you feel nervous about it ever like you know like do you do you worry like did i get it right like like are these thoughts creeping in your head more than they might have like five yeah. years ago did you research so i would what well do i research
1: <laughs> i mean i have to say i mean there's more korean stuff in my life than than, than any, almost any <laughs> right. other stuff with with probably Indian stuff second, uh, because of my you know, all, the, all the Indian friends I have. Wow. Uh, but but you know I'm very careful. Like I wouldn't write uh, a Chinese character, Chinese American character. I just don't know enough about that culture. Maybe now I will. Then I'm making all these good friends. But no no, you really have to. You really have to spend not just years, but I think decades learning about someone else's culture before you can confidently make any kind of assessment. You have to learn. What makes them tick? You have to really do almost like an actor. You have to enter their mind. You have to look for, you know, and I'm lucky in the sense that I have some, you know, some commonalities as an immigrant, but I won't, I don't take that for granted. I know these are obviously very different cultures. Um, uh, But for me, you know, it's, it's, it's not just quote unquote research. It's really entering a different, a different life. Um, At this point, I'm almost, you know, like I, I know more about 40 something Koreans than I do about 40 something Russians because I don't know that many. I have friends in Russia, but they're in Russia. You know, that's its own, that's its own world. I can sort of, I guess, write about their lives if I, you know, was to set a book in Russia. Um, but you know, which would be kind of a funny, also satire on, kind of you know yuppies in this poor, right. almost third you know developing world kind of society, um, and, and the choices they have to make and in, 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 etc. Uh, although I have to say, even in Russia, like it's fascinating because, it's, yeah, like my best friend in Russia is married to a girl from Yakutia. So there's, you know, so she's uh, ethnically Yakut and and their kid is also, you know, of of, of different races. And so even there, I have to say, you know, I I feel like what I'm writing about is kind of how a certain segment of the world lives in general at this point. And, you know, and and, and so it doesn't feel like I'm trespassing. And I have to say, I mean, I'm sure there's there's Koreans and Indians who are upset by my portrayals. Uh, But, uh, you know, I hear more flack from fellow Russians than I do from anybody else. Uh, and you know and maybe that's you know that's the that's the ultimate sort of statement on on, on how people react to things like that
0: <laughs> yeah i don't know i didn't did you have tammy i thought it was pretty good you know i don't know the cream parts of it as like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. i did text tammy and i was like how does he know <laughs> yeah Tammy <laughs> told you the video i was like How does he know all this stuff? (laughs) Well, again, years of this shit, but also,
1: um, you know, I also have, you know, great uh, readers. So whenever I finish a book that has characters from different places, I'll go to like, you know, Kathy Park Hong, who I've known for decades or any one of these people, Suketu Mehta, does all my Gujarati checking, you know, and he's like sitting there and, and he'll bring up like tiny things, but they're important for me to get right, you know. Right. Um, so yeah, I definitely will do that. I'm not just going to send that out into the world right. and think, okay, I I think I know everything, and I, I definitely want people to look look at right. it. And, and right. people come to me whenever anyone has a Russian character, which, which also often veers into horrible stereotypes. <laughs> but, you know, they'll they'll send it to me, and I'll be like, well. <laughs> We don't really eat bears, but, you know, other than that, it sounds great. Bears eat us, you know.
2: You have your own crew of sensitivity readers. Yeah, (laughs) there are.
1: There are. So, yeah, there are readers for every single thing. You know, I had somebody who was gender fluid look at the Nat character and make sure that that was – I mean, there's stuff that can be done, and and some people would be like – Oh, screw that. You know, I know everything and I, you know, I got to yeah. fly by the seat of my pants. This is a work of art. Fuck you. But I think, you know, if I can get something a little bit more right, you know, then yeah. that matters to me too. Um,
4: yeah. yeah, that's great.
0: Yeah, especially since it is such a bomb when, I don't know, when somebody does get something kind of weirdly, some small detail wrong, it's like worse than them, you know it's almost worse than you thinking they're right. The per the writer is racist, you know, like, I think I would rather like, if somebody, (laughs) I'd rather read like a racist person writing about Koreans and me thinking, wow, these people (laughs) really know Koreans and they hate them. (laughs) 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 They're like, right. that somebody writing very sympathetically and like getting like six details wrong that are like very obvious, you know, like like, like, don't patronize me, you know, Um, which is a stronger uh, emotion. Um, do we have? Oh, by the way, that, other... that, that that
1: reminds me, uh, uh, Chris Lee, who I know, Tammy, you know, you just had yeah. dinner with or something, right? She was really great as a reader too. There was something about the Chable, the Ed Park, Ed Kim, Ed Park is a friend of mine, uh, the uh, the writer, <laughs> the, the writer, writer and Ed editor. Yes. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, I did think of Ed Park uh, uh, when when Ed showed up, not, and I was like, nothing to do. That has like no.
0: Ed Grove in Buffalo.
4: In <laughs> Buffalo, yes. I know, I know. No, Ed has
1: nothing to do that. But uh, Chris, Chris corrected some stuff on the uh, on mm. the. Uh, Ed, oh. I mean, she lives in, in Seoul, so she was the perfect person. I can't remember what the yeah. hell it was. It was good. I was like, oh, thank you, Chris. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. Yeah,
2: yeah, this is the oh, novelist yeah. Chris Lee for folks who, who haven't read her stuff. She oh, yeah.
0: Great. Okay. She's yeah. I didn't think it was Ed Parky, but I did think, oh, yeah, maybe that is Ed. I love the name Ed. It's such a great immigrant
1: name for an immigrant kid. <laughs> like I'm them.
0: Yeah, like, my real
1: name is Egon. You know, and, and, right. and Gary became my sort of American name. But it's like such a stupid name, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> what
4: the, the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: you got the, the Eunice one. You got you nailed. Oh
4: Eunice!
0: I love Eunice. Oh my god, Eunice! Eunice oh, a great Grace Perfect and name. Perfect name. Grace. Ninety percent of, okay. of Korean American girls. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Do we have anything else? This yeah. is wonderful. Thank, you, thank so you so much. Yeah, thanks so a lot. Thank you. Really,
3: really Love your fun. show.
1: Your show really, uh, well, uh really was our, helpful. yeah. Was I think,
3: very think we should use it as the tagline was. Three Asians Bashing Neoliberalism or whatever you say. Yes, yes, which is what you know. So, in the article I wrote
1: is about the horrifying circumcision, uh, and its after effects and in the New Yorker, and uh, it ends with me thinking of the show as I'm hobbling along screaming in pain you know uh, so thank you for that uh, it, was, it was nice because it felt like you know I was connecting to you know not that you exactly like of my friends but you know all of us sitting around playing the steam at this bar in New York and trashing me over complaining about our immigrant parents you know, you, you know. <laughs> that's great <laughs> yeah,
4: thank
2: um, you, you congrats
4: on the book yeah, you yeah. thank you so much anytime thank you, okay,
1: thank you. take care
0: um, okay I'll do the quick answer thank you for listening I can just do it later Um, hold on, if you can leave your browser open.